your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and if you haven't been with us, we're going through, we've been going through the Gospel of John, but we're taking a break from the Gospel of John to go through chapter 1 of Luke. Well, next week, here's Zechariah's prophecy, and then on Christmas Eve, we will read the story of Christ and His birth together. So if you can come, please join us for that. Last week we saw the interaction between Mary and the angel and the birth of Jesus foretold and how Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And now we're going to see a song from Mary this morning. As we're ending with Mary's visit to Elizabeth, God's Spirit working in all these people, including John who was in the womb, as the sound of Mary's voice came to greet Elizabeth's ears, the baby in the womb leaped for joy, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth says, and blessed is she, this is verse 45, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary's response. The Magnificat is named that because in the Latin, that's the first word in the Latin translation. That's why we have it kind of phrased that way. But it's the magnify, magnificent, magnifies word is the first part. Starting in verse 46, let's work through it together and see what God has for us. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. Verse 47, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. As we said last week, it's incredible that 14, 15-year-old girl who has found out not much time before this that she was going to be bearing the Savior of the world. We talked about last week how the, there's a whole bunch of negative things, at least for the world standards, that comes with that. She's a virgin. It's kind of unique. And as we talked about the penalty that she should have or could have faced would be death. But what blows me away and what I hope that we see throughout this time this morning is that response. Her soul magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I don't know if you've had moments like this where your soul is just magnifying the Lord. Another way of saying it would be exalting the Lord, glorifying the Lord, focusing on the Lord, making much of the Lord. Her soul is doing that. How? How does she do that? That's what I want to know. As I was reading and preparing this week, I read those those two sentences and I'm like, I want that. I want that all the time. 
I want my soul to, to magnify the Lord. I want my spirit to sing all the time. How does she get it? Of course, it's the work of the Spirit inside of her. But I think there's more clues as well with what has been happening, what she's been doing perhaps, that allows this kind of response. And I hope that we'll see it. End of verse 47, she says, And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. When we were discussing this on Wednesday night, just a, a side note here, as Ashton did a great job reminding us, we don't worship Mary. She's blessed as she got to give birth to the Lord, but she is not sinless by nature or by choice. She's like the rest of us. And we see here that she is rejoicing in God, her Savior. She needs a Savior. We need a Savior, all of us, including Mary. But how does she get here? How is it that her soul will magnify, glorify, exalt the Lord, her spirit rejoicing in, her, the God, in God, her Savior? Let's look through 48-55 through 55 to see if it will be revealed to us. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed or blessed. I want to submit to you that this 14 or 15 year old knows Scripture. She knows the Old Testament. And she knows it well. And the Spirit of God was constantly putting these things on her mind. And she was remembering the truths of God, the truths of God's Word. And I think that's why she responds this way. The first thing she says, she remembers the fact that God looks at her in love. He sees her. He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. The idea that she uses servant as well means she has a posture of humility. If you are a prideful person, you will not rejoice in the Lord. She is humble, and she is remembering the fact that God looks upon her in love. Beloved, remember today that you need to be humble and remember that God looks at you in love. She knows that if God is looking on her in love, she will be blessed for all generations. People will talk about her for all generations because God is faithful. His faithfulness never ends. Remember that. As Mary has. Look what she continues on in 49. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. She's not completely forgetting about herself, but what she's remembering, what she's seeing is what God has done for her. Not what the world is doing against her. Not what Satan's doing. She's remembering the things that God has done for her. She's remembering that God is mighty. Your God is mighty. She remembers that He's holy. Holy is His name. And she realizes 
and is specifically remembering the great things that he has done for her. So often, beloved, we think of all the bad bad things that are going on around us. We think of how hard life is, and it's true, it is hard. But maybe we should take a little bit more time and think about what our mighty and holy God has done for us. That will change your attitude quickly. Verse 50, in this word, you're going to see multiple times, in His mercy. We're talking about love as our theme today. Well, love, it's the love that God has for Mary. It's it's the love that God has for all of us that mercy flows from. If there's great love, then that's where the mercy is going to come from. And His mercy is for those who fear Him. From generation to generation. Again, we're seeing this lifelong, continual generations of faithfulness. His mercy will be on them. We want multiple generations of faithfulness in our church. We want our grandparents, great-grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so on. We want to see faithfulness to God all the way through. Not just a one and done. You know how that happens? The work of the Spirit certainly And we recount over and over again and we tell each other over and over again the great things God has done for us. And that He's mighty. And that He's holy. And that He's good. And the more we do that, the more we believe that and we pass it on. Mary can't seem but help to speak Scripture when she's singing to God. This is a song. What's incredible, and we'll continue on with this, but different commentators and you look and you try to say, where did Mary get these words? Where are they coming from? Certainly, again, the Holy Spirit working. But here's just a few places that either have direct quotes or ideas that are mentioned here. Psalm 103, 1 Samuel chapter 2, Exodus 15, Psalm 34, Psalm 69, Psalm 44, Psalm 89, Zephaniah 3, Isaiah 12, 2 Kings 14. And you could go on and on. She's thinking about the Old Testament. She's thinking about the Word of God, and it's just flowing out of her. You want to sing things that are pleasing to God? Sing Him His Word. Sing Him His Word. This 14 or 15 year old girl seems to be so full of Scripture that it just comes out of her when she praises her God. And I think that's the key to how she can magnify the Lord and her spirit rejoice in God her Savior. Because she's believing the true things about God. And if you know and understand and believe the true things of God, you can't help but magnify the Lord. You can't help it. It's got to come out. John and Peter talk about this when they're told, hey, shut up. Stop talking about Jesus. You go, ha ha. We can't. We can't stop. We have to talk about the things we have seen and the things that we have heard. Church, are we that way? Are we thinking on the great works of God, on the Word of God so much that it just comes out? I pray that it is. And if it's not, what's wonderful is you can begin to do that. Look as she continues. 51. Talking more about the attributes of God. Who He is. What, what, what does He do? Things about Him. He has shown strength with His arm. Your God is strong, beloved. There's nothing He can't handle. There's not something you can come up with and go, okay, well here we go. This one, God, I'm not sure you can cover this one. He's got it. And what's also great is He knows everything all at the same time, so it's not a surprise to him either. 
He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He will not tolerate pride. He will not. He will literally set his face against you. He will literally set his face against me. He will literally set his face against our church. We have to be a humble people who know our place and remember Jesus' place. He's number one. Then we're the body. He's the head. We're the body. And we humbly love and serve one another and serve this community. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. You will either understand this or he will bring you down. He is jealous for his own glory. It's about him. Where grace and mercy comes in is he allows us to be in him. He allows us to participate in all that he's doing. He doesn't need us, but he allows us. He doesn't need Mary. He graciously chooses Mary for this task, and he graciously chooses you for different tasks that you're doing. And you will have, if you obey him, if you follow him, if you're in his word, if you're loving him, if you're thinking on him, you will rejoice in your God, you will glorify him, and you will be filled with his spirit and have great joy as you serve him. He brings down the mighty from their thrones and he exalts those of humble estate. To be humble is to be down and God will exalt you in Christ forever, ruling forever. Verse 53, I love this. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. That's incredible. What's interesting is to be filled... By God, to be filled from, by His Word, to be filled with His Spirit, guess what? You need to be hungry. It means you don't eat before you go to Him. You don't try to do it yourself. You don't try to figure it out. You don't try to go on your own righteousness to go to Him and say, Ah, oh, I'm good. Lord, I'd like to have an interaction with you. Let me hear some things, although I think I pretty much have it all figured out. You ever invite somebody over to your house? Come over to your house, and you're eating, and they come in... Hey, we've got some food. Why don't you grab some food? No, no, I've already eaten. Now, sometimes we do that just to be you know, courteous. You really, you ever been in that situation? You're actually looking at the table and you're like, oh, that looks really good. I hope they ask a third time. Because in the South, we've got to reject once. Kind of another rejection. And then, oh, well, maybe taste. And then next thing you know, it's all gone. There's no leftovers. When we have you come over to the house for a meal, say, hey, don't eat before you come. Don't eat before you come. We want you to be full. What's interesting, when we lived overseas, and we were invited to other people's houses overseas, and you don't know what food they're going to serve you, and they didn't know what kind of food we were going to serve them. It's funny, we both did the same things. We would eat as a family, and then we would go, so that we weren't hungry, in case we didn't like the food. And then we found out as we got closer with friends overseas, we found out they did the same thing. <laughs> they would eat their food, and then they come over and go, Oh, what is this, a hamburger? Okay. And they would try it. The problem is when you really like it, there's no room for it. There's no room for it. This is what Mary's saying. 
If you go to the Lord and you've emptied yourself and you go to him hungry, guess what? He will fill you with the best tasting stuff you've ever had. But if you fill yourself yourself with the stuff that you have and you think it's good, you're used to it, you like it, and then you go to the Lord, there's no room left. You better quickly try to empty so you can have some of what the Lord has. She's saying, those who go to him empty, they will be full. You will be full. Uh -uh. Verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mary again is thinking on the Old Testament, the prophecies of God, his promises and his mercy towards them. And she is... Here's what's encouraging. If you look and you see that God is faithful, that's part of why we have Scripture. We can see that God is faithful throughout the whole Old Testament. He's faithful throughout the New Testament. And so with whatever you're facing, guess what? He's going to be faithful. It's who He is. And when you remember the promises of God, when you think on the promises of God, on His faithfulness, you will rejoice. And you will magnify Him. And you will praise Him. And you will lift Him up and say, He's a trustworthy God! Love Him. Praise Him. And you won't be able to help but talk about Him. Verse 55, As He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His offspring forever. That same idea. His faithfulness forever. Mary's response as she gets her magnifier, magnifying glass. When you look through it, see my big eye, hopefully. When we exalt God, when we glorify God, when we think on the things of God, on His Word, on His promises, on how He's good, how He's mighty, how He's holy, as He's loving, He's our Savior. We need to be humble. He sees us. We think about the great things He's done. We fear the Lord. We tremble at His Word. We realize He's strong. He scatters the proud. He's exalting the humble. He speaks to us. He helps us. All those things she says, when we do that, we start to magnify Him. But what's also interesting, and this can be very helpful, because you have to get into the Word and look very closely. As you look closely, the Word gets big. And as the Word builds up and the spirit inside of you as the word continues to come then it just explodes and explodes across this church it explodes across this town this county this state this country and this world but it starts with us knowing the word and being filled with the spirit verse 56 and mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home It seems like most commentators agree based upon the fact that it was in the sixth month she went. It seems like she went long enough to see the birth and then she left. Verse 57, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. That's a surprise. We didn't see that coming. Would have been strange if it said she bore a daughter. (laughs) Right? But God's word is faithful. We're not surprised. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great, what does it say? Mercy to her. It's His mercy. This love that God has for us. 
and they rejoiced with her. When the Lord shows mercy, guess what the response is? We rejoice. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. This is with the custom that we see in the Old Testament. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. This is not what's common. The people are not happy about this. This is not what we do, people. You name him after his dad. That's what our culture says. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. They said, All right, you know what? We're going to go to the dad. You stubborn woman. He's going to let us know what, what, what it's supposed to be. And, this is, and they made signs to his father. This is also why not only does it seem that he couldn't speak, but he couldn't hear. Why would they be making signs? Okay, so they're making signs to him. Again, I don't know how you do that. Name? Name tag? I don't know what you're asking. What's going on here? Inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet. Seems like that would have been easier much sooner than making signs, but... And wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. What? He's supposed to be named after, after his dad. What is going on here? What we love about Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're not going to bow down to what the cultural norm is. They're going to obey the Lord. They're not going to bow down to the cultural norms. They're going to obey the Lord. We need this. The temptation is to bow down. You're talking about family members coming to them. Maybe grandma's there. Who knows? I don't know. They were up in their years, but who knows? Everyone's there. The pressure. He's got to be called like his dad. No. We're going to obey the Lord. And notice that Elizabeth and Zechariah are on the same page. If God has given you a spouse, it is important for us to be on the same page. We need to be praying together. We need to be reading Scripture together. We need to be discussing the things of God together. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God. Finally, that was a long time for him, right? We were going through. He's been waiting a long time probably to speak, although most men are like, eh, I could probably do it. What's the first thing he does? He praises God. What he had been told, he's now seen come true. When God says something and we see it fulfilled, we praise God. He is blessing God. That's what we do when we look in the Scriptures. When we see all the things God has done, we praise Him. When you're saying, things are getting a little tough right now. I'm not sure about this sickness. I'm not sure about this death. I don't know if God's going to be with me. He's going to see you through. And as He sees you through it, you'll praise Him. And the world will go, I don't understand this. How can you have sickness? How can you have death? How can you have all these things and still praise God? Because we've got the full story. The world needs to hear the full story. Now look, what, look, look at the response Verse 65, and fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. (laughs) A bunch of gossiping and stuff going on. Did you hear what happened? 
They didn't name him Zechariah. They named him John. And he couldn't speak, and now he's speaking, and they're both old, but they're having kids. There's all kinds of stuff happening over there. And some go, I'm not going around them anymore. And some say, this is of the Lord. Because look, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. How great can a child be if the hand of the Lord is with him? How great can you be in serving your God if His hand is with you? How great of a church can we be, not for our own glory, but for His, if His hand is with us? It's incredible. Next week, we're going to talk through Zechariah's prophecy. What do we do with it? A couple things. If you're a non-believer, pretty much, and you come regularly, the answer is the same thing. You cry out to God. You cry out for His mercy in realizing that He has loved this world enough to send Jesus to die for you on the cross in your place for your sins. As a sacrifice, you cry out to Him because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. Three days later, He rose, defeating sin, Satan, and death, justifying us before the Father. If you're a non-believer, you cry out for that. If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, here's what we see today. We want to get to a place where our soul is magnifying, glorifying, making much of the Lord, and our spirit is rejoicing in our God. How do we do it? Just like Mary. We know the Scriptures. We think on the Scriptures. We think on His promises. We sing to Him. We remember His attributes. We remember who He is. We tell one another who He is. We tell each other the Scriptures. And as we do that, it will just bubble up and flow out. The second, if you're a believer, we take truth over the traditions of the culture. Just because the culture says this is the right thing, if it doesn't align with the Word of God, we say, no can do. And we stick with the Word of God. And last, we cry out for the hand of our Lord to be on us. Because who knows what great things He will do. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends and my family here. I ask, Lord, that You would show us more and more who You are. Teach us more and more from Your Word. Fill us more and more with Your Spirit. We want Your hand to be on us. We want to be humble. We do not want to oppose You. We do not want You to oppose us. We want to serve You, love You, glorify You, and make much of Your name. We ask that You would do that. Lord, I ask that during this time, this invitation time, if anyone needs me to pray for them, I pray that they would come down and I could do that. They need to come pray at the altar and deal with some things. I pray that they would do that. I pray if there's someone here that does not know you, or multiple people who do not know you, that today would be the day of salvation. You are a mighty God, holy and true, and you love us and have shown us great mercy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.